Welcome to the End Time Sky Podcast. My name is Lee. Great to have you along with me. It is an unbelievably gorgeous day. I'm in southern Alberta, just transitioned into British Columbia, then down into Idaho in about an hour, and from there into Washington, and on and on we go. And I feel so blessed to be alive, to be healthy, to be working, to be enjoying God's beautiful creation. I am surrounded by breathtaking scenery, lush green trees, a beautiful blue sky. I think that in the fall, the sky is a little more sharp of a color of blue. It's just stunning. Just takes my breath away. I feel like a paid tourist. You know, I'm enjoying so much of the beautiful creation that we share and being paid to do it. And I'm pretty blessed. But I wanted to talk to you today about a couple of examples of the Bible's most extreme preppers and how we can apply that to our own lives. The first example is Noah. Noah went absolutely mad in his prepping. He started building a massive, massive boat. There was nowhere near the water in that area to float this thing. And he was storing up on animals, on food. Um, he got a reputation as a bit of a nut because of all his extreme prepping. And, and this, he was prepping for an event that no one believed would ever happen. It never happened before. Why on earth would water suddenly fall from the sky? You see, prior to the flood, water came up from the ground. There was tremendous groundwater and with the lunar cycle, the tidal surge in the crust of the earth traveled around and that pressure forced the water up through every crack in the ground and it watered the face of the earth. They didn't have clouds back then. And actually, I could go on and on about the pre-flood world. Uh, it's almost certain they had a layer of water up above the sky that protected the world from harmful radiation it diminished the sunlight, increased air pressure, and the result of that was that everything grew really, really big, and people lived a long, long time, about a thousand years. After the flood, you can see lifespans dropping off quite quickly. By the time of Abraham, I believe about 400 years after the flood, he lives 170 years, and God had blessed him with a good long life. Um, the Sumerians' kings list, if we could understand it correctly, it also attributes the pre-flood people to living long periods of time. But in their list, it is literally 60,000 years, 100,000 years. Um, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. And after the flood, people still lived well over 1,000 years. Um, and, and that's where I find ancient writings outside of the Bible don't necessarily adhere to truth or accuracy the way the Bible does. The Bible reads very, very well. Not a mythology at all, but a literal, factual accounting. And if you were an archaeologist in the ancient Near East, you would rely heavily on the Bible because it is the authoritative source of wisdom. And if the Bible says that this city is here, you're going to find that city there. When it came to Jericho, 
they dug where the Bible said, and they did not find Jericho. And they said, well, the Bible's wrong. There's no Jericho here. Thirty years later, a second group went into the same area, dug another eight feet down, and found Jericho. If the Bible says it, that settles it. It's, it's definitely, it's reliable and trustworthy. But the pre-flood world was a very different world. It didn't rain from the skies. And here Noah is building this massive boat and gathering supplies to go on board his ship that the people around him couldn't see how on earth this tremendous thing would ever float. And yet, when the water came, they realized. Now, what was it that caused Noah to start prepping? The Lord told him to. God told him to build an ark and, in fact, gave him the dimensions and building materials and everything he needed to do it properly. So Noah is probably the most extreme case of prepping on the face of the planet throughout all history. But there is a close second, and that is Joseph. When he is in Egypt working under Pharaoh, he interprets Pharaoh's dream and says, we're going to have seven good years. But then following that are seven years of famine. And we have seven years to prep. And then it's going to be a disaster. And so Joseph, under Pharaoh's authority, would set about doing some extreme prepping. So much so that Egypt was filled with grain silos. And this extreme prepping would result in preserving life and diminishing suffering over the course of the next seven years so that even the regions around Egypt were saved as a result of this extreme case of prepping. And there again, what triggered Joseph to start prepping? It was Pharaoh's dream, a dream given to Pharaoh by God. So we need to, be under, we need to understand clearly that God will tell us what to do if we're listening for it. God won't let us get caught by surprise if we're listening to what he has to say, if we're heeding the word of the Lord. And I'm looking at global food supply right now, and there is a tremendous amount of tension on the global food supply. COVID has had a tremendous amount to do with that, um, partly from prohibiting immigrant labor from coming in from poorer countries to pick fruit and vegetables and things like that in places in Europe, in the United States and other countries are going without that immigrant labor. And that, that is having an impact on the global food supply. Another impact is global population, which continues to rise, putting a greater and greater strain on global food demand. Another factor is China becoming more wealthy. Chinese people have more expendable income and they are buying more food than ever before. And that's putting new stresses on the global food supply. We factor into that what is being sold to us is climate change and global warming. And these rare 
events which are prophesied in the Bible, we understood these times would come, but those who don't know the Word of God give credit to man-made climate change. And we know Lucifer has set that into place as a way of explaining away the natural disasters that are occurring around the world. China has been underwater this whole year, and they are going to be importing a tremendous amount of food this fall. And last year we had much of the Midwest in the United States and Canada underwater. We've had massive, massive biblical locust plagues sweeping through Africa and Asia. All of these things are new stresses on that global food supply. And from what I have been able to find out, the Global supplies, global reserves are in good shape right now. There isn't any need to panic necessarily. But here's what happens. As the global food supply diminishes and the population increases, the value of that food goes up. And we, you and I, simply have to pay more money for it. But the poorest nations were barely able to afford, and in some cases couldn't afford the food they needed day to day, and now they're in a worse place. The, the extreme effects of this growing food crisis around the world is that, that the most affected already will become even more victimized. In um, Africa and uh, even in South America, a couple of countries are beginning to feel a real lack of food, real food shortages. And now is the time for you and I to be listening very carefully to God. Lord, what should we do? I'm sure one thing I'm absolutely positive of is that God doesn't want us living our best life now while people are starving to death. And we need to know what the Lord's will is that we're being obedient. If he wants us to be sending a certain amount of food or support to these countries that are being heavily impacted right now, um, then we need to be on the ball and doing what, you know. And it all comes down to judgment. When Jesus separates the sheep and the goats, and he puts his sheep over on one side and he puts his, the goats over on the other side, and the goats don't understand what, what makes them different. And Jesus lays it out to them. When I was hungry, you gave me no food. When I was thirsty, you gave me no water. When I was sick, you did not visit me in the hospital. When I was in prison, you forgot about me. When I was naked, you did not clothe me. In other words, you were so focused on self, you never got past your own need for comfort and pleasure to realize that there were suffering people around you. And I'm just calling out, don't be a goat. Don't be found with your head down. I know Christians today, born-again Christians, who are living a very big life with a great deal of money and not, not a thought in the world to those who are starving, those who are going without right now. And I don't want to go and face my Lord and God. And when he asks me, what have you done with the things I gave you? I want to be able to give a good accounting and say, Lord, you gave me five talents. Here, take ten talents in return. 
and he's going to tell me, Lee, well done, good and faithful servant, and we're going to fist bump, and I'm going to walk into heaven to receive my reward. But these people who are indulging the flesh and caught up in their own carnal plans and programs and schemes and, and uh, getting ahead, they're going to be caught with their pants down. And he's going to be telling them, goat, you go stand over there. Go, go with the other goats. No, you don't belong with the sheep. Go with the other goats. And I don't want that for me. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for anyone. So let's listen diligently to the voice of the Lord. And whatever it is he's putting on our hearts, we would be passionate to get out there, get, get these things done while we have time to do it. Thanks for joining me today. God build you up and strengthen you to stand firm in the end times.